Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 179. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, hey welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thank you so much for uh, all your support, and please make sure you're telling your friends, your family, your coworkers about the show. We continue to grow by leaps and bounds. We are consistently a top 25 business podcast in iTunes, and I couldn't do it without your support. If you could, if you haven't done so, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review this show. It does so much to the visibility of this of this show. There's new podcasts coming out every day, and we're continuing to stay out in front. You know, I want to keep it front and center. And so with your help, we can continue to do that. Please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so much to me. I'm going to do some brand new friends of the show partnering with 99designs. You know, they've helped me so much with my branding of the business that, you know, branding is the face of your business. You can make a great impression with creative professional designs from 99designs. I love what they do there. Visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a power pack upgrade absolutely free. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled to have back on the show Jim Kuzes, the best-selling author, award-winning speaker, and according to Wall Street Journal, one of the 12 best executive educators in the United States. He's been thinking about leadership since he was an Eagle Scout, and uh, he's currently Jim, is the dean, uh, dean's executive fellow of leadership at the Levy School of Business in Santa Clara University. He's consistently on one of the top 100 top thought leaders on leadership in the United States and throughout the world. He's my favorite leadership author. He's one of my first guests I had on Dose of Leadership. Jim, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure. You know, I don't know if you remember me telling you this, but it's been um, almost 21 months when we did our interview, first interview. And you were the first guy when I decided I was sitting on the edge of my bed in December in 2012. And I said, how can I get more noticed in a noisy world? And I was looking at my book and the truth about leadership was on my bookshelf. And I said, what if I had conversations with all these people on, on my bookshelf? And I emailed everybody that day and you were the first respondent. I don't know if you ever knew that or not. You were the first person to say yes to, to uh, be, be a part of the show. So, well, you're thank you. Thank you for asking. And I, I didn't know that, but I'm delighted I got got in there early. Yeah, well, you were, <laughs> you were a catalyst for the show because I, I've said this story many times that um, I don't know what got in me that day. And I just interviewed and you, you responded and I was so shocked. And I said, and in my email, I said, I'm starting a podcast in January 20, in the end of January. And I had nothing on paper. And when you said yes, that kind of said, I better figure this out because I don't want to let Jim down. So, <laughs> well, you did figure it out. <laughs> right. How many shows have you done now? Um, I've released a hundred and to at this recording, 175 interviews, but I've done almost 200. I think this is that's a, just amazing. So in 21 months. That's, that's spectacular. It's been a, a, a crazy fun ride. And like I said, I owe a lot to, to you and, and your generous and your, your, generosity and helping after and, and helping giving me some new guests. And so I owe you a lot. And so thank you very much, sir, for all That's you've done. My pleasure. Delighted to do it. Well, what have and you, we'll what, do it again. Yeah, absolutely. What I have just, you, what have you been up to in the past 21 months? Well, the most recent book we released was a little short book, which I hope we'll have a little opportunity to talk about. Cause you know, it's, it, it's, it's a topical, uh, 
what's happening in the world today, turning adversity into into opportunity. Oh, yeah. It's just a more like a white paper. It released as an ebook, um, but right before that, we came out with our newest materials uh, for student leadership, and so both those projects have occupied a lot of time and attention. Particularly, the youth leadership work has captured a lot of our energy. I know our, we're wanting to make a contribution to the, that next generation of leaders as they enter college and move on into the work world, but also thinking about high school and even middle school and how we can do a better job of developing leaders because there's just some compelling to do that, uh, not the least of which is it won't be too many years from now before they're leading us. Yeah. Well, it's um, it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, that you know, the ideas of well, youth leadership comes up a lot in these interviews. It's been a pre- prevalent theme, especially talking about the millennials and what they think about uh-huh. leadership. Adver- in adversity and overcoming fear and uncertainty that has probably been. In fact, I was talking to um, a woman yesterday, and she she's just started listening to the show, and she asked me, "What has been the biggest lessons you've learned, or what's been the prevalent theme?" And it has been this idea of overcoming adversity. I mean. That really separates us from who's successful and who isn't, right? I mean, successful people kind of expect adversity, don't they? I mean, it's it, the other shoe's going to drop whether we like it or not. So we might as well be prepared, but at the same time, don't be kind of frozen by it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I always remember the quote from John McDonald, who uh, was former CEO of McDonnell Douglas, uh, a company that was uh, later purchased by Boeing, I believe. And uh you know, they they were a company that went through a lot of adversity, uh, which ultimately ended in the business being implemented along the lines of what you're saying, that adversity introduces us to ourselves. Mm, yeah. And and that's that's where we 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 learn most about what our capabilities are. In fact, I was talking with my wife the other day. Our son is just out of graduate school with his master's in screenwriting, working on an independent film. Wow. And uh, he's working with a crew of relatively young people. Uh, and, you know, as, as one ha- happens in all projects, but uh, something like a live action movie where you're in the outdoors and it involves bears, <laughs> <laughs> stuff happens. Right. And we were just talking about how, boy, he's really learning a lot because of the adversity that comes along with something like that. And it's so true. You know, one of the interesting things we found in our research on personal best leadership experiences, to your point about we're all going to encounter this, is that when when we ask people to tell us about the times they'd done their best as leaders, they told us about adversity, difficulty, challenge, doing something different, doing something unique and for the first time. And, and we didn't ask them to tell us about adversity or challenge or or difficulty we asked them to tell us about best practices when they were operating at their best and they told us about times that were difficult and so i think you're absolutely right those are the times that provide the context for leading Uh, so we should expect as you say to encounter uncertainty and there is an element of of fear there is an element of surprise and we need to know how to deal with it so is it is the the goal to eliminate the fear or is it to work through the fear is it to exploit the fear what do you think it is uh, i i think it is so when people talk about courage courage is acting in the face of fear we we, we 
we may not at the time even acknowledge it because we're so busy dealing with the problem. We later step back and say, "Whoa, that was scary." Right. Uh, but but you know, I think the the first step. We we just finished a book called "Turning Adversity into Opportunity," uh, as I mentioned, and and the first step in the process of doing that is to broaden the context. So when we encounter some kind of, of, of difficult circumstance, is to acknowledge that this isn't the first time in human history it's ever happened. Great point. Yeah. That it's happened not only to uh, other people before, but it's probably happened to us before. Right. And here we are. We survived it. We're, you know, the human in human history. We're 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 still around, thankfully, despite all of the uh, all of the challenges that we've faced as human beings. We're still here. Uh, and hopefully we're a bit better today than we were yesterday. Uh, and there's going to be more challenges ahead. Uh, and, and, and acknowledging that, broadening the context, uh, will, will enable us to realize that we have the capacity to deal with it personally and organizationally. I like that idea. I like the the broadening the context. It just sounds good because right, it's like it's getting the big picture. It's taking a step back. It's it's kind of soaking it in and saying, "Okay, I've been here before." No, I like that. It's kind of just a, yeah. a mental pause almost uh, before you uh, gather your thoughts and, and make a decision. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I uh, two stories related to that. One one has to do with an activity we do uh, when we we have people explore this. Uh, idea of, of adversity and challenge in their own lives. So we ask them to look back in their life and look back at the highs and the lows and ask yourself, you know, what, what enabled you to pull yourself out of that low and what, what were you striving for? What were your aspirations that got you to the highs? And that experience of people reflecting on that can be extremely revealing to them. It's also a wonderful way of, of uh, building a team because knowing that the other people on your team have been through adversity and they've gotten through it also helps you to realize that we're stronger as a group because we've done this. Uh, and I, I remember a conversation with Kaylee Adair. Kaylee uh, is a high school student. She's a senior this uh, coming school year in Colorado. And uh, she wrote an email to me asking if I would talk to her high school uh, student Council and Colorado Association of Student Councils meeting via Skype call. And so I thought, well, this would be a fun opportunity. So I said yes. And uh, afterward, after we had done this, she wrote me an email. And, and in, it, in it, she said, my f- absolute favorite thing about human beings is that we're never satisfied with our condition. Uh-huh. I thought, wow, that's a leadership attitude. That that's is, a young yeah. woman who's right. going <laughs> to talk about handling uncertainties she's yes. going to do well in her life because she loves it it's her favorite thing yeah well that, you know and i almost would I, I was kind of thinking along those lines that and and i was who was i talking to last it's immaterial it's, it's a, a local kind of entrepreneur here in town and we were talking about this over breakfast and and he said and i i think i agree with him that at some point you get so used to almost like an exercise in the other process that it almost becomes second nature and that he looks at when the gets the nervous stomach the butterflies he really hones in on it because he knows something great is going to happen on the other side of that and he uses it as it as, as a signal fear that is as mm-hmm. a way of knowing that this is what i should be focusing on right now and i just think that's yeah. a, kind of a neat way to look at it 
It is. It is a neat way to look at it. And 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 he, he knows that when that's happening to him, it's not something to avoid, but something to pay yes. attention to because yeah. there's something going on there. Your body's telling you something. Uh, and, you know, what is it telling me and what's going on out there that's creating this and how can I how can I deal with it? You know, you wrote about that. and I think we talked about this in our first interview, a you know, great uh, section of courage and taking uh, the story about Rosa Parks. And um, yeah. and what a great I know we may have talked this before, but maybe from new listeners, so, you know, talk about that piece about, you know, we're if you look at the, the specific actions that she did, we're all capable of it, and you can yeah. change the world. But uh, talk, talk yeah, about it. It's, it's, um, it's surprising how it's the, the simple the action was that she took. For those uh, who haven't heard this story before, Rosa Parks was the uh, part of the civil rights movement, and, and she became famous when she got on a bus uh, in – uh, Selma Montgomery in, in, in Alabama mm -hmm. and she she was asked by the bus driver this was in December of 1955 in Montgomery, Alabama and she was asked by the bus driver to move from the white section of the bus to the back of the bus and she refused she said no I'm not and then he said to her well, if you don't move, then I'll have you arrested. And she said, go ahead. Now, those actions by themselves are very simple. We can all sit and we can all refuse to move and we can all accept that there are consequences for it. But not everyone does. And it, 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 why don't we uh, do those kind of things typically? Why don't we have the courage of our convictions, if you will. Right. And, and that's really where it a, becomes a personal choice. But in her case, she would, felt so strongly about the situation that th those simple actions caused a national movement right. to get energized. Uh, and we, we, we come to refer to that as a Rosa Parks moment. And it's generated when you apply initiative to a core value. And a Rosa Parks moment really is, is that simple. Think about it in your own life. When, when are you going to apply initiative to a core value? Uh, and that's really where, what, what, what propels you beyond just that every day to something more courageous. But it can be a simple action. It doesn't have to be something dramatic that makes uh, the nightly news. Well, her, in her right. case, it did make the nightly news. But it doesn't have to be, you know uh, – Something that we see in a battle scene in war, and you, you know, or you rush into a burning building, it can be a very simple action, like simply staying seated and being willing to accept the consequences if you if you do. Yeah, and I think the important thing to point out, as you said, is like when she was, when she made the choice, she chose to be courageous at that moment. She wasn't. It wasn't like I'm going to do this to start a national movement. She was simply, as you put, a seamstress on her way home from work or church or work, and she just was tired of. Like I said, she noticed that this really went against her core values, and yeah. she stuck with the conviction, and something great happened on the other side. She had no idea what was going to happen on the other side, but she knew she was going to. Yeah. St she stuck through it, and that's that what was important to her. Absolutely, you know, she 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 was quoted afterwards as saying, "I didn't get on the bus to get arrested." 
I got on the bus to go home. Right, right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, she, she, she continued by saying, you know, it's funny to me how people came to believe that the reason I did not move from my seat was that my feet were tired. She said, <laughs> my feet were not tired, but I was tired of unfair treatment. Yeah, that's just so great. And it's just that what's so great about that story and the Rosa Parks moment is that we never give ourselves really um, – the credit or, or the, we don't, I mean, we're so much more influential than we give ourselves credit for. And again, Absolutely. not that, not that we're trying to influence for influence sake, but man, to be courageous and you can't, as you say, you can't plan to be it, but you can certainly choose it. And, yeah. um, when you know that it's a choice, I think that, cause I'm like what you said to your point, I used to look at courage maybe as, you know, landing on, you know, Neil Armstrong running out of gas, you know, nearly running out of gas, landing on the moon or, you know, Jim Bassalone winning the Medal of Honor in World War II, you know, fending off the enemy for three days at night. And, and when you, I realize that it's a choice and that you're going to be afraid. It's not being fearless. Like you said, it's working through despite the fear. Then we all can be courageous. Well, part of it is also, you know, in the everyday life, thinking about the more everyday moments that we all face, uh, you know, there it was uh, Max Dupree who said, "My first, the first job of leader is to define reality." And I think another step in the process is just to face the facts. You know, and and in in some research that was done by the Pew Center for People in the Press, they asked people, "Do you want to hear hear good news or bad news? Would you feel better knowing even when the news is bad?" And 85% of people say, "Yes, I would I would feel better knowing even when news is bad." Uh, there are some who want to live in denial and don't want to hear bad news, but most of us are willing to accept that we face a problem, we face a crisis, we have a difficulty, uh, but then to take the next step beyond that and say, no, I don't have to accept that we're going downhill, that the country's falling apart, that our organization's gonna, going to uh, not be successful, that I'm not going to be successful. We can accept the diagnosis deny or defy the verdict that's associated with it. It's that, yes, it's possible attitude uh, that will enable you to get through it. So you, you accept the diagnosis, but you defy the verdict. Hey, halfway through the show here, I want to take the time to pause and talk about 99designs, especially for you startup entrepreneurs, people who are thinking about starting a podcast. You know, we'd all like to avoid the dreary side of business. I know I did. I like the sexy side of doing these interviews, but let's face it, behind the work, there's paperwork, there's all kinds of things we got to do. If you've decided to take the leap and you're ready to start your own business, you're probably knee-deep in all kinds of details and you're overwhelmed, you know, and you may find that the creative side of your brain is craving attention. Luckily, there's one task you need to do that is more creative, and that is getting a few designs in place so you can begin connecting with clients, so you can start getting the name and face of your business. You know, with a powerful logo, a website, social media design, all of that, you'll be able to promote your business. It gets excited. It starts to become tangible and real, both in person and online, and you can start right away. At 99designs, a leader in the graphic design space, you can get anything designed in just a week for a startup-friendly price. I can tell you this is great, especially when you're in a bootstrap budget. 99designs can help you build your client base before you even open your doors. I've used 99designs, and I love the personal experience and the, and the, the, the flexibility of working with them. What if you could start your next design project today and have dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days? Well, you can. Visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free. 
What, how did you how did you come to grips with uncertainty and fear? I mean, if you look back of when you were a young Eagle Scout to where you're at now, I mean, what was your transition like? Well, I think a lot of it in my my own life came you know when I when when I decided after college. Well, I, first of all, I guess another part of it is context in which I grew up. I grew up in a time in our history in this country where we people started to protest people started to express their unhappiness with their current condition. A lot of that was associated with the war in Vietnam. Uh, And so I was in college at the time that the war started to get hot. And, and, And so that was part of the context. You saw people taking actions that certainly weren't typical of our parents' generation. They had fought in World War II. They had come back. They'd fought in the Korean War. They were now ready to raise families, get life back to normal, and it was kind of the Aussie and Harriet days. Uh, Then things started to happen where uh, people felt that it wasn't right what was being done, whether you agreed with it or not, but there were a lot of people who who, uh, began to protest what was happening, and so that was contextually part of my upbringing. And I also grew up in Washington, D.C., uh, suburbs. Uh, my dad worked for the government. And so I had wanted to do something to be of service myself. I was in John F. Kennedy's Honor Guard as an Eagle Scout. Uh, I heard him give his famous speech in which he asked, you know, ask not what you can do for your country, but what, uh, what, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And uh, I took that seriously and I decided I'd join the Peace Corps. And it was really then I think that I, I realized that, you know, if you're going to, if I'm going to fulfill my own mission in life and, 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 and achieve my own aspirations, I needed to take some big risks. I needed to do something very different in my life. And so I went to a foreign country where I didn't speak the language, had to learn a different language, had to learn different customs, and found that not only did I get through it okay, but I really benefited from it greatly. And so putting ourselves in a situation where we're foreign if you will, it's alien to us. It's different than what we normally experience. Uh, I realize is a growth can can be growthful can can help us to grow and, and uh, develop as persons. Yeah. So the Peace Corps experience helped me to realize that that actively initiating and accepting unique experiences, one in which uh, were foreign to me, were alien to me, that I wasn't what wasn't uh, accustomed to became growth experiences. And, and and that's really what set me on the trajectory of my current career. So going, going back to the original question, then the fear. So did you always look at kind of fear and uncertainty as gifts? Or did you look at courage of kind of like, hey, this is something I got to avoid, you know, the fear piece? No, I, I think like a lot of people whom we interviewed and we talk, when we when we wrote about courage and we asked them to tell us the moment of courage, at the time you were going through it, you didn't think about it that way. And and I didn't think about it that way. I just thought about, here's something I really want to do, going back to the conviction part of right. the important value yeah. that I held. I wanted to do something to be of service. I wanted to do something that uh, would give back. I wanted to do something that would bring a, be my little contribution to world peace. And so in pursuing that, I, I discovered uh, that there was a lot uh, of uncertainty involved that, you know, again, didn't know the language, didn't know the culture, had to learn all those things. But because I really wanted to, I aspired to do something unique and different that got me through that going back, looking back on you say, Oh my God, you know, 
you know, I could have starved to death <laughs> because you know, I wouldn't have known how to ask for food. But, right. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't thinking about it at the time. And I think that's true of most people when they engage in something that's very important to them. You you don't really experience that. Um, you, you don't you don't think about it rationally. Right. You know, you were talking about the youth movement or, or the research you've done on kind of the youth leadership. And, you know, one thing that has happened to me over the last uh, almost two years from this podcast and talking to people like yourself and others is I've I've regained a sense of optimism, um, particularly about the millennial generation and their kind of entrepreneurial spirit. I think and I sense and a lot of the people that I've interviewed in the show think that there is one afoot. I'd like to know what your thoughts on that are and kind of the... Um, your optimism or pessimism of leadership in, in that kind of generation? Uh, I, too, feel similarly. The more we work with millennials, the more we work with leadership development in colleges and universities, as well as in high schools, the more contact I have with young people, the more optimistic I become. I, I am somewhat concerned about the world that they're facing yes. with all the conflicts, hot conflicts that we have with, with, with the, you know, uh, the kind of disruption that they're experiencing economically and, and all of the challenges that they face, but they seem undaunted. And they also have a very different perspective on work and what work is and want to be part of something meaningful and important, not yes. just something that earns a paycheck. Uh, they and it's not just about Peace Corps or Teach for America. Although more millennials are signing up for roles like that than ever before, uh, other generations they want to do something like Peace Corps, Teach for America, uh, something that is, it gives back to the community uh, in much larger numbers. And, and they're starting organizations in in larger numbers than previous generations. So there's a lot to be optimistic about. Yeah, I like that you so said I just add one thing. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just just going to comment well, Melissa Poe Hood is one of the uh, individuals we we wrote about and she started her journey, a leadership journey when she was in elementary school. She was 8 years old when she got the bug and she was 9 years old when she started an organization called Kids Face, Kids for a Clean Environment. Uh, to to do just what the name says, to get uh, kids involved in doing something to to create a healthier uh, environment and climate. And uh, later on at 30, I think it was about 32 years old or so, she was given an award for her leadership as a young person by the Association of University Women. And she she said in that acceptance speech of uh, that award, she said, you never know where one step will take you you never know where the next one will lead. The difference in being a leader is you take that step. Oh, yeah. what, a, what a great attitude. That you, know, awesome. you take that step. Yep. And that, that really is a difference. It really is. You know, one thing is great that um, we think about when we're um, – when we have kids and we're raising uh, babies and we watch them make that first step and – and we look at, they take even a half step and they fall flat on their face and we're just so overwhelmed with joy and um, we celebrate that kind of failure, if you will, as, as, a, as a great achievement. And it's, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could look at all of our kind of journey throughout leadership or in life the same way, right? And, and not look at as necessarily failures, but just kind of um, as almost gifts to get, to get to the next level. And that's really what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. 
It is. What is it? One last thing I want to talk about here is the subject accountability, and I, I do a lot of surveys with my audience, and and I I've been asked to speak on this quite a bit, and this topic comes up, and what the difference between accountability and the importance of it is. Give give me your take on accountability and why it's so important. Well, we think about it, we mean my co-author Barry Posner and I, who've done research on on what people expect of leaders, uh, look at this as an issue of credibility. When we did our, we asked people, what do you look for and admire in a leader, someone whose direction you would willingly follow? And people gave us uh, about 150 different attributes, and we were able to categorize those into 20 different categories. And of those 20, we asked people to select the top seven. Over the last 30 years, Richard, that we've been gathering this data, we find that four and only four qualities have been selected by 60% or more of people consistently over that period of time, which is in itself amazing. Um, but not only that, they taken by themselves, they're interesting, but when you put them together, it becomes a very powerful message. The top four are honest forward-looking, competent, and inspiring. Three of those four, honest, competent, and inspiring, are what researchers in the social sciences call source credibility. Uh, credibility ends up being the foundation of leadership. Credibility is, is that foundation on which we build everything, personal credibility. And a piece of credibility, uh, well, so when you ask people, what is credibility behaviorally? They say, do what you say you will do, practice what you preach, put your money where your mouth is, actions have to be consistent with words. And so it implies two fundamental things. The first part is be clear about what you're going to say. So what are your values? What are your beliefs? What's your philosophy? What do you stand for? Right. But then the test of whether you truly believe in those or not is whether you do them. So accountability is the act of holding people responsible for what they do and are those actions consistent with what they say and and so leaders have to hold themselves accountable and they have to hold others accountable because if we believe in what we're saying as an organization as a group of people then we'll all be doing what we say it's not just one person the leader but it's all of us so accountability is really holding ourselves to task over whether we're doing what we say, whether we're keeping our promises, whether whether our actions are consistent with our words. Yes. Why do you think there's such a, a lack of it? Or it seems to be, maybe I'm just paying attention to it more, but there seems to be, it seems to be such a rare trait in every aspect of life these days. It seems to be getting worse. Well, the I think the data would support that. You know, when... when um, when you read, just as an example, I'm not picking on anybody, but it's in the current news. When you read the General Motors knew that there was something wrong with their cars, yes. but people felt that it was too expensive a fix. It would cost too much money, and instead they let this go on, which cost the lives of other people and ultimately the company billions of dollars. Wow. you know. I know. Not you know how, how can how can you possibly take that kind of an action? But they did. So there's evidence out there that people should be cynical. On the other hand, uh, the good news is uh, we are seeing uh, kind of uh, an increase in people 
in in organizations, leaders in organizations starting to pay much more attention to this. So if you just take a look at like the Edelman Trust Barometer, the numbers have improved over the last uh, four years, you know, from the depths of the recession to date. Uh, we've we've seen an, a slight improvement. It's still not great. Uh, CEOs and government leaders still rank at the bottom of the list, but it is the good news is it's going up, and uh, so there's there's reason to be optimistic. But we still we still need to hold ourselves more accountable than we have been. Well, and I think especially for new leaders out there, I think if there's one thing that's going to set you apart, if you're really looking to set yourself apart, be ready to take the accountability of, of uh, the, you know, the failures of your functional leaders that you're accountable for. Be prepared to uh, take it, and amazing things will happen nine times out of ten. I think the fear is there because they think they're going to be embarrassed or lose their job and lose their position, which may happen, but, but more often than not, it'll make you stand out head and shoulders above the, the, the average Joe Mediocre. Yeah, and and this is also Richard, where courage does play a role. Yes, because if you're going to hold yourself or other people accountable, sometimes you may have to speak up, and and that may require taking a risk. And yet, if you strongly hold to that value and belief, you have an obligation to speak up and say something. Uh, and that that's really kind of the adversity introduces us to ourselves. You know, it, it, that's where we really truly know how committed we are. Oh, Jim, you're such a great uh, influence in my life. I'm so happy you're a busy man that you took the time to come back again. What is the name of the new book, and how can people uh, get in touch with you? Well, the most recent ebook uh, turning is Turning Adversity into Opportunity. It's a quick read on a short airplane ride uh, or an evening uh, at home. And then the Student Leadership Challenge for those who are involved in youth leadership development, both throughout now. And uh, you can check out our website, leadershipchallenge.com. And also send me an email at jim at com. Jim, as always, thank you so much for coming to the show. I'll have links to all these on the post when it goes live. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been my pleasure, Richard. Great talking with you. I hope we'll do it again. Yes, for sure. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.